Welcome to Hypnotic History, the podcast about 20th century life in the United States. I'm Ashley. And I'm Logan. And today we're talking about Jazzercise. In this episode, we are once again joined by our friend Wendy, co-host of the Spooky Haunted Hollers podcast. Thank you so much for having me back. I learned so much on the last episode. I'm excited. Well, today we are going to talk about Jazzercise. And you were saying before we started that you have some stories or experiences to share. I do. And I had no idea that I really knew so much about Jazzercise. Um, Okay. So to start with. I was in high school, and I had my senior year, I had a PE class, and it was called aerobics. And so basically what we did was we went into this stage area that we had in our high school, and our PE teacher would put on these videos, and we had to do these aerobics videos. Okay, fast forward 20-some years later, I'm on TikTok one night, and I'm watching these videos, these TikToks, and this woman comes on. She's like out there, she's loud, she's doing these uh, aerobics, and I'm like, I know that woman, and it like triggered something inside me, some memory. It was the videos we were watching, and it was the Jazzercise lady, like the one who was over all of it, you know, the one who invented (laughs) Jazzercise, and I'm like, oh my gosh, those are the videos we used to watch, so apparently I was a Jazzercise person by default and didn't realize it. Didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. You were there at the start. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm from way back. And then, so apparently my mom, you know, we talked on the last episode how she didn't have Tupperware money, but... We had Jazzercise money. <laughs> it was a choice. You can either have Tupperware or you can have yeah. Jazzercise, but you can't, can't have both. Have both. <laughs> we so. didn't have a great business year. We can either have Tupperware or Jazzercise, kids. Uh, pick one of those two. What do you want from Santa? <laughs> so one of the neighborhood moms, um, she got certified in Jazzercise, and she would have classes at the nearby school. And as a kid, I would have to go along by default and, you know, I'd run around and play outside and I would go into the the room where they were doing the jazzercise and it was packed. There were so many moms. There were men there. Some some of the dads went to do jazzercise and we would kind of stay around the corner and watch them and laugh at them because they looked hilarious. And my mom's like, so I talked to her before I came here and I was like, what what do you remember about jazzercise? She's like, we would all fight for the back row because (laughs) it was, it was we, we looked horrible. You know, we looked like we, we had no idea what we were doing. The steps were hard. And she's like, none of us wanted to be up front where we could be seen. So we all fought. We tried to get there early to get the back row. Oh, that's funny. And she's like, it was the hardest workout I ever did in my life. She's like, it was so hard. She said, but it was fun. She said, we like we got to socialize with each other. And she said, the men being there was funny. She's like, because they weren't very good dancers. But they were there and they tried it. And she's like, it was just all the rage. Everybody wanted to do it. And so, you know she would have that class and we would all sign up and we were all happy about it because it was an easy way to get to do it because otherwise we could go somewhere else and it cost us a lot of money she's like so we had a good time but we made fools of ourselves but we got out there and had a great workout so we enjoyed it so i got to see my mom jazzercising when i was a kid not many people can say that (laughs) (laughs) i never did jazzercise but i did do zumba Mm -hmm. uh, which i owe the success of zumba to jazzercise because it was really the first of its kind to combine dance and aerobics uh, that i know of anyway Uh, it really started the boutique fitness movement movement as well 
I think. And all I can say about exercise classes like that is, yeah, we're all fools, but we're all fools together. Yeah. Exactly. So and we're all uncoordinated together. Nobody and, knows what we're doing. And can you imagine being 16 and being in front of your peers, having to do those moves that oh, this gosh. woman was making us do? You know, me, I was all for it. I was out there making the noises and I was I was all about it. But there were others who were just kind of slunk over in the corner. And this was in the 90s. You didn't opt out of PE in the 90s. No. Um, our PE teacher, she was a woman, and she was fierce. And yes. she's like, you get, you will get over here, and you will jazzercise. And <laughs> we didn't have a choice. You know, today, you can kind of sit down and don't worry about it. But we had to get out there, and we had to jazzercise our little hearts out, whether we wanted to or not. So I was into it. I got into it. But there were others who kind of got over in the corner where nobody could see them, and they half-heartedly did it but i got my money's worth out of that aerobics class i like the use of jazzercise as a threat <laughs> you will come over here and you will jazzercise, you will jazzercise <laughs> or you will get no points today well let's talk about some of the background info related to jazzercise when do you all think jazzercise was founded what oh, year i'm gonna say 75 I was thinking 80s. I was going to say like 83. Jazzercise was founded in 1969. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was older than I thought. The founder, who you saw in the videos, is named Judy Shepard Missit. And I love her. She began dance classes at age three after a doctor recommended it as therapy for her inward turned feet. As an adult, she attended... Northwestern University to be near the Chicago studio of jazz dancer Gus Giordano. After college, she joined his troupe and later began teaching dance classes at his studio. However, her classes had low retention. People just weren't coming back. And when she asked why, she recalls being told, you're teaching like we're going to go on to become professional dancers, but really we just want to what like professional dancers. Uh, just have fun. Mm, uh, I don't know. Dance? Look oh. like professional dancers. <laughs> she responded to this criticism by turning her students away from mirrors, simplifying the dance moves, and using different music. What music do you think she used? What kind of music? Or if you want to name certain performers, that's fine. Oh, it's been too long uh, since I did the videos. I if, are we talking about when she started it? Uh-huh, uh, yeah. I would think she would use, like, the pop hits of the day. So, like, 68, 69, the, like, the bubblegum stuff from, from that time period. She used top 40 hits, so okay, you're right about yeah. that. Um, but the performers that I saw as examples uh, were kind of surprising. Creedence Clearwater Revival was mm. used. That's <laughs> and Neil Diamond. Okay. okay, well, I could get down to some Sweet Caroline. I, mean. I could, too. <laughs> I want this class. <laughs> so this was the dawn of Jazzercise, but it originally went by a different name. What was the name? Jazz aerobics? Jazz dance for fun and fitness? Or jazz hands and happy feet? Ooh, jazz dance for fun and fitness. I'm going to go with the jazz hands and happy feet. Thank you. That one was one I came up with, but it was actually <laughs> Jazz Dance for Fun and Fitness. And so I don't think that it's any surprise that she needed to shorten it to something a little more catchy. Mm -hmm. And so Jazzercise became its eventual name. 
It truly took off when Missit moved with her husband to San Diego in 1971. At this time, she was running the program completely by herself. How many classes do you think she was teaching per week? I would think six or seven. I was going to say at least five. 35. Whoa. Oh my goodness, how's that possible? <laughs> how, like, how is she alive? You wouldn't, like... ha- you wouldn't be able to sleep. Well, eventually she did realize that she needed help and she started training additional instructors. What health problems spurred her to do this? Probably. She. Oh, you have choices. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to guess before uh, the choices, that's fine. All of them. All would, of the health problems. I would think like her back was like, no. Like, just that much movement all the time. Well, here are the choices. She lost her voice, she had a heart attack, or she pulled a hamstring. Pulled a hamstring. Lost her voice. She lost her voice. Uh, Her doctor told her that she was developing nodules on her vocal cords from yelling over the music during classes. She needed to make a change or lose her voice. In addition to hiring additional instructors, she also started instituting the use of microphones. And this was... New and complicated because wireless headset mics were not really used until the 90s. So these were instructors trying to use microphones with cords and do all the jazzercise steps, Mm -hmm. too. I guess you could tape tape the cable behind you and... You'd probably need some slack, though. Yeah, you'd have to have a lot, yeah. And then you would trip over the slack. I know I would. That'd be really tough. Yeah. With additional classes, Missit was able to scale back to how many classes a week? Uh, 15. 20. Okay, you overshot it this time because you <laughs> undershot it last time. <laughs> so now this doesn't sound as impressive. Uh, she got some other instructors, so she was able to scale back to 12 classes a uh, week. Still a lot. Yeah. Uh, to put that in perspective, nowadays, jazzercise instructors are advised to teach only three to four classes a week. Wow. Yeah. So... How did this San Diego exercise program make its way across the United States? Missit credits its growth to what group of people? Gay men, urban professionals, or military wives? Military wives. I think military wives. It is the military wives. They fell in love with jazzercise and they wanted to continue it after moving away from San Diego. So Missit created an instructor certification program for them. This was one way in which jazzercise not only kept women healthy, but also helped them gain confidence and financial success. Judy Missit herself faced obstacles as a woman in business. She recalls a Parks and Rec employee in 1975 feigning disbelief that he had to write a large check to a, quote, little exercise girl. Uh, Of course. Yay, misogyny. She also recalls renting out a Presbyterian church in New Jersey where the reverend initially resisted renting out his church to women in, quote, body stockings. Nice. I can almost understand this because the leotards (laughs) that women wore at that time were very, they technically covered the skin, but they were revealing because they were skin tight. Yeah, they don't leave a lot to the imagination. You probably have uh, semi-repressed memories of your mom in a leotard. Um, She was really more of a sweatpants t-shirt kind of person. Good for her. (laughs) Good for her. Another example of an obstacle she faced was trying to secure a business loan. One L.A. banker told her, well, I just don't think this would be a good investment for us. 
Yes, you're growing quickly, but that's going to be a fad. It's great that you're having fun and dancing around, but I just don't see it as something that will grow. Oh, wow. Nailed it. Yep. (laughs) In her book, Building Business with a Beat, Missit says the 1974 Equal Credit Opportunity Act was a huge boon to her business as it outlawed practices that required women to do what at banks? Uh, Stand for so long. Uh, this was something that we uh, touched on a little bit in the Tupperware episode, something about banking that affected women. Did they have to get a loan? Oh. They uh, had to have a man with them. Oh, yeah. yeah. To apply for credit. Yes. So the Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974 outlawed practices uh, that perpetuated some of these discriminatory practices. Okay. So this allowed women across the United States and eventually in other countries to complete certification and to host their own classes. And this was mutually beneficial because she got some of their revenue and they got the opportunity to be independent contractors. By 1982, how many Jazzercise instructors were there? Uh, uh, 5,000. I'm going to say 10,000. See... We, we, you started out by going under, and now you're just wildly inflating We're your just answers. We're numbers out there. Because <laughs> I thought this was impressive, but now it doesn't sound as impressive. Just throwing it out there. Over a thousand. Okay, still a lot. However, she was having some legal problems. The instructors were technically labeled as independent contractors, and they paid her uh, a certain percentage of their earnings. And her lawyer said, that's not really how an independent contractor works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So you should probably just franchise Jazzercise. So that is what she did. Jazzercise's franchise model was actually ideal for helping women start their own business. Rather than charging a high startup fee, Jazzercise opted for a low entry cost, but then took higher percentage of earnings. So in this way, women could enter the business more easily, and they were only on the hook for a portion of the money they actually made. In 1983, Missit said that owners could net how much per year? Um, 10000 Uh, uh, 6000 in today's money adjusted for inflation that is over $230,000 per year where do I sign up right the year Jazzercise franchised it was the second most profitable franchise in the United States what was the most profitable franchise KFC Uh, well I do have some choices I always forget that I have choices and then I make you guess off the top of your head I like hearing his random guesses KFC (laughs) I just keep guessing guess another KFC is a good guess but it's not right Uh, Domino's Pizza, McDonald's or Dunkin' Donuts McDonald's Dunkin' Donuts Domino's Oh. oh wow I mean, no shade to, well, I guess some shade to Domino's, but I don't think their pizza's very good. Um, And I'm surprised. Apologies to the five listeners that are big fans of Domino's. I'm sure they're out there. I remember as a kid, if I went to a sleepover at somebody's house and they ordered pizza, if it came and it was Domino's, I was so disappointed. (laughs) I basically thought, well, I guess I'm going to starve tonight. (laughs) this show is teaching me how different our childhoods were. <laughs> you didn't have Domino's money. I didn't have Domino's money. I took what I, I ate what I got. 
to get Uncle Bill's pizza. I was so thankful for Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> you turned up your nose at Domino's? Yeah. I would have been thankful for Domino's pulled from a trash can. <laughs> Back to Jazzercise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the mid-90s, how many Jazzercise franchises existed? By the mid-90s? Mid mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, 2,000. I'll go uh, 3,000. 5,000. Oh. And they were making around $15 million in sales. Wow. Jazzercise not only helped women in business, though, it was also a step towards woman-centric fitness. In the early 20th century, vigorous exercise was not believed to be very good for women because they thought that it did what? Oh, probably like kept them from being able to birth children or something. I want to say something about their reproductive organs. Yeah. Maybe it like... It, I don't know the specifics. It twisted the fallopian tubes. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> I mean, I assume Ow. I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever twisted your tubes, Wendy? Not that I know of, and I don't know why he thinks he's an expert on fallopian tubes. <laughs> and why he just shouts that out there like he's an expert. Well, thank probably, thankfully, I don't know the specifics, but they did believe that it physically harmed women to engage in vigorous exercise, and they also believed that it would give them mannish features. Oh, oh okay. Okay. According to sports historian Jamie Schultz, early 20th century women's fitness was devoted to, quote, health, hygiene, posture, games, play, gymnastics, and dance. I find that kind of interesting because gymnastics and dance are both pretty physically rigorous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But people thought, oh, those are the feminine realm, and yeah. their bodies can handle this gentle exercise. But dancers uh, and gymnasts, they do a lot of work. And they're pretty muscular. Mm -hmm. uh, in researching for this episode, I found a story about the founder of Jazzercise, Judy Missit, taking a fitness test at the YMCA. And they actually didn't have a fitness test for women at that time. So she took the men's fitness test and she did super well on it. Uh, and the only exercise that she had was that she's a professional dancer. Mm -hmm. So of course she did really well, but the people at the YMCA were shocked that she did so well. <laughs> and I mean, that combined with the fact that they didn't even have a physical fitness test for women kind of gives you an idea of where things were. Yeah, oh yeah. Movements devoted to women's fitness no pun intended with movements, by the way, <laughs> tapped into feminist ideas of the time. These were ideas of strength as opposed to frailty, and they challenged earlier exercises for women that focused heavily on exercising purely to look good. So jazzercise was in the right place at the right time. As a savvy business enterprise, jazzercise sold more than classes, though. Which of the following were products sold by the company? So I'll give you the product. You tell me if it's something Jazzercise sold. Can we hear his random answer first? Uh, headbands. <laughs> I was thinking head, some, some type of like a athletic what you wear. KFC. Fallopian <laughs> <laughs> tubes. <sighs> How about clothing? Yes. <laughs> Could I hear the others, please? <laughs> 
Well, I'm going one at a time, and you tell me if it's true. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought this was multiple choice again. Yes, clothing. Yes. It all started when Missit wore a leotard with jazzercise printed on it to promote the brand on the Dinah Shore show in the 80s. This spurred a demand for jazzercise gear, which the company initially sold through catalogs. By 1987, Jazzercise was selling a complete line of branded clothing in retail stores. These items came with a certificate for two free classes. Mm. What about books? Uh, yes. Yeah, picture books. How to do the moves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, there were several Jazzercise books. Uh, one of them was a 1981 book called Jazzercise, A Fun Way to Fitness. It sold 400,000 copies and was reprinted four times. Hmm. What about feminine hygiene products? No. No. You are correct. They did not sell feminine hygiene products that I know of. Records. Yes. Yes. The first album went gold. Mm, wow. And there were several more after that. Videotapes. We know this oh, one. Oh, yes. Wendy's taken back to her traumatic yes. past. <laughs> the videos had titles like Sports Stretch, Health Backs, Healthy Backs, <laughs> and Body Power! Exclamation point. Hmm. By 1989, a third of the company's sales were not from classes themselves, but from tapes and clothing. Wow. What about screensavers? Uh, yes. No. Yes. Oh, wow. In the late 90s, the company created Jazzercise Cyber Stretch, a computer screensaver with instructions for stretches and relaxation exercises. One of their customers was an insurance company called Barney & Barney, who offered it to their clients, hoping that it would reduce workmen's compensation claims for repetitive motion injuries. Hmm. Scrunchies. Yes. Yes. I'm iffy on this. I made it up, and so I'm going to say it's false. But I can't help but think maybe they did sell scrunchies, but I just couldn't find any evidence that they did. What about foods? Oh, I'm going to say no. 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 However, they did partner with several brands, which brings us to our next game. Oh, oh wow. Which of the following promotional tactics has Jazzercise actually tried? I'm going to start with partnerships. Okay, so do you think that they partnered with the following people or brands? Wheat Thins. Yes. Yes. That is true. Smuckers. No. no. They did. Oh, wow. Partner with Smuckers. Slim Fast. Yes. Yes. No, they oh, did not. Yeah. Cover Girl. Yes. Yes. Nope, they oh. did not. Aura Ida Potatoes. Please, yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Quaker Oats. Yes. Yes. Richard Simmons. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, oh. they did not. Yeah, I love me some Richard Simmons. I love Richard Simmons. And if he had done some Jazzercise crossover, I would just be over the moon. But no. Nike. Yes. Yes. Yes, they did. Okay, here are some other promotional tactics. Tell me if you think that they engaged in them. Starting a children's fitness program. Uh, I could see that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So many of the items that we discuss have some aspect of child indoctrination, <laughs> you know, because last episode with Tupperware, they had the mini servant kit for kids. Uh, when we talked about coffee, 
they had these uh, quote-unquote educational materials mm -hmm. that they passed out in schools. So Jazzercise tried to get them young as well. Oh, yeah. They had a free program started in 1991 called Kids Get Fit. What about creating a specialized program for people who are pregnant? Yes. No. No, they did oh, not. It seems like that'd be so obvious. <laughs> What about dancing at the Olympics? Oh, I'm sure they did. Yes. Uh, let's see. When did we have the Olympic Games in Los Angeles? Was that? Yeah, it is the Los Steelers. Angeles Games. Very good. Wow. 84? No. Yes. 84? It was. Okay. So this happened during the opening ceremony of the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. Judy Missett herself ran part of the torch path for those Olympics. Wow. Jazzercisers have also performed at NBA halftimes and, oddly, at the 100th anniversary ceremony for the Statue of Liberty. Okay. What's more American yeah. than getting your jazz on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about using brand placement in a movie? Yes. Yes. No. Oh. I thought of that one because we were listening to a podcast the other day about Mac and Me, which is a movie that heavily promotes Coca-Cola and McDonald's. And I would love to see a similar movie Ooh, whose jazzy. main pur purpose is just promoting jazzercise. Yeah. But alas, no. Hmm. Uh, that podcast, by the way, is called Low Culture Boil. What about Dancing with a Tiger? Please. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. At the first Jazzercise International Instructors Convention in the early 80s, Judy Missett danced to Eye of the Tiger, while a 200-pound tiger named Asia walked about on stage behind her. That's awesome. At mm. the same time, a plane flew overhead and Sky wrote the word Jazzercise. Oh, my. <laughs> Gets me every time. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> In case you all are wondering, Jazzercise is still going today. It has 8,500 franchises in 25 countries. Their corporate level is female-driven, so they are still empowering women to be business owners. And Judy Missit's own daughter, Shanna, is the president of Jazzercise. Oh, wow. Judy is still going, too. Hmm. She turned 79 this year, and she still teaches classes. Of course she does. Wow. In a 2019 article, uh, you can find the information in our description, it said that she taught three classes a week. So that was in 2019. I don't know how many she teaches now. Hmm. But yeah, she would have still been in her mid-70s at that point, like 75, I guess. Impressive. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thank you for joining us again for an exploration thank you for having of me. 20th century. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Jazzercise. Jazzercise <laughs> in skywriting. <laughs> I'll do this right. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Very good. <laughs> Hypnotic History is researched by me, Ashley Skidmore, with music and technical wizardry by the convivial Andrew Logan Skidmore. Follow us on Instagram by searching for hypnotic.history or by clicking the link in the episode description. Until next week, listeners, peace and love. <laughs>